Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing in Manila here on Sunday evening. Joining us on uh, late Sunday morning from New York City, Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Join us from Dallas, Texas, even earlier on Sunday morning. By my schedule is really crimping his style. It's Bam McMahon. Howdy, partners. Had a little brunch. We're good. We're good. Time is not bad at all. Got to watch uh, a thrilling World Cup upset before we popped on here. Timing is not good for friends. Yes. Yeah, so uh, day three of the World Cup uh, was Sunday, and um, it was a day of significant upsets. Um, number one, the last game of the day, Latvia, who's playing without Chris Porzingis, who has that uh, foot issue, um, playing for Shitus, is missing the yep. World Cup. And he's he was he was here though, which you know I thought that was good that he came here, and he and he got to see the Latvians upset the French. Um, the French got drilled by the Canadians in their opening game on Friday, which I thought was the most important game in the first round. It turns out that that's not going to be the case because France just wasn't that good. Nothing to take away from Latvia, but, um, uh, you know, get run off the court by the Canadians and then get beat by the Latvians and they are eliminated. In fact, um, this, you know, what I had termed the group of death, um, France is out. Uh, won't Spain won't have to worry about trying to beat them out. They may have to worry about uh, Latvia, though. So can, uh, Canada, who uh, won earlier today easily over Lebanon, uh, advances. So Canada is through to the second round. The French are out. Evan Fournier had 27 points in the in the game, which they lost by two. Batum, uh, Nick Batum, had 13 points. You know, he's coming towards the end of his national team career. Now, it's not, I mean, it's very, very upsetting for the French who were trying to meddle here. They they do have a berth automatically into the Olympics because they're hosting, and they're darn lucky they do because they're not even close to getting one. Rudy Gobert played 26 minutes in this game, took one official shot. Hmm. He did get to the he did get to the line uh eight times, so he was shooting a little bit more, but that sounds like a, a miserable night in Utah. One shot, hard to hard to believe um, about that. But there was a number of upsets that happened in the World Cup today. Australia was upset by Germany, and you know that might end up not being an upset because well, it was an upset. Looks pretty good. It was an upset because Franz Wagner's hurt and didn't play. Like the Australians, right. the Australians should have took care of that game without him. The two of that with France playing, I think they're pretty evenly matched teams, but without their best player, the Aussies should have won that game and they'll be pretty disappointed that they didn't. Yeah. And um, so Franz Wagner hurt his ankle in um, Germany's opening game on Friday, which can't remember who was against. And he is, he had imaging and he's day to day. They're not really saying exactly what it is. Um, But uh, so he was out. um, And then also, uh, today, and again, maybe this isn't an upset, but it's surprising a little bit. The Dominican Republic beats uh, Italy and Carl Towns, uh, who had a big game in the opener, uh, to beat the Philippines that came right down to the end, uh, has another big game. I think he had 24 points and 11 rebounds on Sunday, um, to lead the Dominican Republic who, um, uh, not, I'm not sure if it's, I think, yeah, I think they're, they're through to the second round. Uh, by the way, that Philip, that game against the Philippines that Carl Towns had on Friday night, which was in front of 38,000 fans. Um, they thought it was going to be over 50,000 ended up being 38, still set the record for the highest attendance game in world cup history. Carl Towns with a pretty, uh, amazing moment. Maybe not so amazing if you know, Carl, but last like, three or four minutes to the game. He's on the line, clutch free throws. It's a one possession game. He makes the first free throw and he notices that he's on the massive scoreboard at this 50,000 seat stadium in, in North of Manila. And he starts adjusting his hair. <laughs> my, my hair needs to be fixed. Super clutch free throw. And then mm-hmm. he just, you know, okay, he's, his hair's in a good place. And he knocks down the second free throw. So Carl Towns totally, 
being happy being Carl Towns uh, here in the Philippines. So, but anyway, Wendy, obviously Wendy, the the Wendy can respect a hair a moment. You you of anybody can respect <laughs> some you know perfectly placed little hairdo type situations. Hey, listen, if you make the free throw, you can do whatever you want, I guess. But um, so we'll talk about Team USA's opening win uh, in a few minutes. We'll talk about Jan Tenakumpo's interview with the New York Times. Um, but Bontemps, I think first here, uh, I was actually at a meeting and missed most of this game tonight with uh, France um, and, uh, and Latvia. But you, I know, watched most of the second half. Uh, not a great sign for the French, uh, especially with the NBA players who were hoping to go for another medal this summer. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty interesting game. I was talking to Nick Nurse a few weeks ago, who obviously was going to be coaching Canada in this World Cup until a couple of months ago. And so he was studying the Latvians quite a bit because they were in this group. And I believe the Latvians went 11-1 and and qualifying to qualify for the World Cup for the first time ever as a country. And even after Porzingis was not going to play, he thought that they had a chance to really make some noise in this group maybe be like the Czech Republic were a few years ago in the World Cup when they make kind of a surprise run. And you look at this team, they've got Davis Bertans, they have his brother, they have Rodians Kuroks who played in the NBA for a minute with the Nets. You know, they've, they've got some legitimate players on this team. But even still, France was in control of this game early in the fourth quarter, up eight, nine points, most of the second half. Nada Decolo, the veteran guard for France, gets ejected. Gets tied up with a guy, shoves him. Pretty stupid play, frankly, for a guy of his experience level. And the game completely flipped from that point forward. I think Lafayette outscored France 22 to 10 down the stretch. End up pulling the game out late. Rudy Gobert gets an over-the-back foul. Causes Lafayette to get free throws to go ahead inside the final 38, 40 seconds of the game. And yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it before. I mean, yeah, France qualifies for the Olympics, but France goes into these tournaments expecting to win medals. And like they thought they had a chance to win a gold medal. And instead, they get humiliated by Canada on Friday in what was arguably the most important game in this first round, because not only did they lose that game, it set them up to be in a winner go home game in this one against Latvia. They lose this game and now their tournament is done in the first 72 hours. I mean, it's just pretty staggering. You don't see teams like this get eliminated in the group stage of the World Cup in FIBA hardly ever. And, you know, there were some pretty frustrated guys on the French team after the game, understandably, because this is not how they expected this to go. Obviously, an incredible moment for Lafia, having never made the World Cup, advancing, beating France. They actually have a chance to win the group if they can't beat Canada on Tuesday. I wouldn't expect them to. I think the Canadians will win that game. We'll talk about them. But Canada just put a really up a cool one Canada put up a cool 128 in a 40 minute game against Lebanon today. Now obviously Lebanon's not the uh the 92 dream team, but still you put up 128 points. They shot 71% as a team. Yeah, I mean you look at the one you look at the you look to the first two games through three days of the tournament and the Canadians have been the story of the tournament. I mean just the absolute demolition of France on Friday, followed by this. I know, like you said, it is Lebanon, but still, they've looked every bit the team they hope to be coming into the tournament. And if you're gaming it out, they are in the much more difficult half of the bracket. But certainly, if you're picking a team besides the United States to win the gold at this point, I, I think the easy bet is that the Canadians will be the one to do it. Yeah, and in France, not exactly the way they want to go into being the uh, host country of the Olympics. Now, we'll see if they get a certain seven-foot-four guy uh, to join the squad for those Olympics. What or, about a seven foot two guy? I was going to say, or even Embiid. It's the, the other thing is, I don't know if this is like the best recruiting pitch uh, going into Joel Embiid's national team free agency either. Um, well, I mean, I have no idea what Joel, what's in Joel's head. Um, I have no idea what his health is going to be. Um, yeah. I do know that Joel knows a good story when he sees it. And <laughs> <laughs> coming to the aid of his. Frenchman, it's hard to say that because I think he's played one second with any of them, but um, coming to the aid of his French brethren would be interesting. I don't know. I don't know what that does, but uh, yeah, Wembenyama, what'd you say? I think there would be, I, I really think if MB decides to go to France, I think there would be some pretty significant discomfort within the roster. I just yes, well, I don't see I don't see any scenario he plays for France. I would be stunned if he did. I'll be pretty surprised if he plays for Team USA either, but I'd be pretty stunned if he plays for France personally. That's not I anything to Joel has told me to be clear. That's just yeah. my guess. But I don't 
Yeah, I just Joel, don't see Joel that. Well, has left all of his avenues open, and I expect him to do so for quite some time. Uh, Wembenyama really was looking forward at one time to playing with this yeah. team. He elected not to. Um, knew he was going to play in the Olympics no matter what. I mean, he made a calculated decision, but I'll bet he's sick um, seeing, especially a two-point game, you know? Right. Uh, obviously, if they had won Benyama, they probably win this game, especially with Porzingis, uh, Porzingis banged up. But um, Gobert getting one shot. What they should tough. be trying to do is find a guard. They need a, they need a guard. They need another guard on this team. I mean, Tocolo oh. is going to be another year older. And other than Fournier, they have nobody on the perimeter that's doing anything, really. Probably also need Ducolo not to get tossed down the stretch. Wow. But yes. That, yes. I mean, just well, whatever. Nilakina is another guard, but he's hurt. But uh, yeah. And he's not an offensive player. I mean, that's but that was their biggest issue. You know, on you watch the game Friday against Canada. I mean, Canada, when they roll out there with Shea, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, and R.J. Barrett on the perimeter, like, it's a pretty damn good group of four perimeter defenders in an NBA game, let alone in a FIBA game. And now, to me, I was curious to see, all right, are these guys just, have they gotten old, or did they just struggle against a super elite defensive team? And, I mean, they put up some points in this game, but their offense still didn't look great. And, you know, I... It'll be interesting to see what happens next summer, but certainly if they can have Victor out there playing next to Gobert, that would help them quite a bit offensively, you would think. By the way, Canada put up 128 points with with the SGA playing 17 minutes. I mean, they treated that basically like a... Lebanon, 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 not exactly a a threat, but just a super cool moment for Lafayette. I mean, to have to, to play your first World Cup, to be in maybe the hardest group, and to beat the French to advance without with Porzingis watching, which, like you said, it's pretty cool he was there too. Could have easily gone home dealing with plantar fasciitis and rested it, but going on the trip, being there for it, he was pretty. You could see he was pretty fired up. That was that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, so also uh, today, Japan upset Finland, keeping their hopes of advancing alive. Uh, Lowry Markin and the Fighting Finns are out uh, after two games. Uh, they play a third game, but they uh, won't Man, advance. Was, so tough, tough day for the Utah Jazz, former and current. Uh, Jordan <laughs> Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson had a a, a rough one, and that was another upset. Yeah, Philippines should not have lost to Angola. That was pretty that's, tough. That's that's a bummer, man. Hosting the tournament, and you go out and lose your first two, and that's that. Especially if they beat so Angola with to- Italy losing, it would have been in a a win in advance game on Tuesday against Italy, a game they very well, could have won. This isn't the strongest Italian team. And, you know, now they can still advance. It's a very convoluted scoring system. So if they win by a certain amount, they could potentially advance. But it's a lot more complicated than just you beat Italy and you advance, which yeah. is what it would have been. Markkinen uh, had 27 points in this game today that he lost to Japan, by the way. So on Friday night, I went to a watch party uh, here in Manila to watch, to see the Filipinos live and die with every basket of that game. And Jordan Clarkson fouled out um, with about five minutes to go on a non-questionable offensive foul. It was a hard thing to foul out on, but he absolutely, uh, like it could have not been called, but it wasn't an offensive foul. And just to see the crowd shots that they were showing, because the Philippines had several opportunities near the end. And like I said, it was a one or two possession game for a long time. And the crowd shots were just priceless. You know, you don't have a dog in the fight. It's just interesting to watch. And I was feeling it in this room I was in and everybody was so bummed. You know, they've been looking forward to this for so long. It's so fascinating to see the Filipino fan in action. And so let me give you an example of what I mean. They're not just out here cheering for Lakers players, although they do that a lot too. Um, We'll talk about Austin Reeves here in a minute, but like, I walked past a security post the other day and the first day on Friday, and there were some um, some soldiers at this uh, security post and they were watching a game on their phones, or at least one guy was watching a game. And it was Montenegro versus Mexico. Yes. And, you know, obviously that's happening in the country and there's a, there's an interest level, but like, you know, that's, you know, you gotta be a pretty interested basketball fan. Like, you know, you get into these, uh, 
they have like a, an Uber style system here. It's not Uber, but it's Uber style um, app here in uh, Manila. And you get into these cars and these people have like their teams that they root for their players. They root for displayed. Like they'll have hats on their dashboards or flags. And um, you know, you'll be going through some super gorgeous neighborhoods and you'll see um, people wearing beautiful memorabilia. You'll be going through some really dilapidated, uh, you know, abject poverty areas, and you'll see people on the side of the road wearing Steph Curry uh, jerseys and stuff like that. So it is definitely a, um, you know, quite the, it's quite a place for this world cup because there's truly a celebration of basketball and they just really like, you know, being in the, in the arena for the U S New Zealand game, there's a lot of um, just genuine excitement about the event even happening, much less the way the game's playing out. And you two guys, you two guys are popular. I keep getting asked. Oh, hold on. Where the, the, are your two amigos? <laughs> yeah, they, no, they don't say that. Although the Filipino language is influenced by uh, by Spanish. Where where are those two? Where are your other two guys? Where are your friends? Oh, where are they? I'm like they're not here. Why are you worried about it? Leave <laughs> no, them alone. You're, they're I'm they're here. Not my friends. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm but here. I want to just no, no. Wendy's the man of the people. He's going to watch parties. He's hanging out in the neighborhoods. He's you know, listen, chatting everybody up. I love man of the people, Wendy, getting ready for live shows. I love it, man. If we did a live so show here, holy Moses. Anyway, I'd like to shout out the Senate Majority Leader. Oh, Joel here we Villanueva. go. Shout outs, shout outs on the pod. True man of the people. And and Senator Angara, I met two senators the Phil from the Filipino Senate. There's only, I think, 24 of them. So, you know, it's not like they're just moseying around the countryside. Well, of course, they're uh, just moseying up to you, clearly. That's all they're doing. Yeah, they're big bosses. Is Pacquiao still in the Senate? Celtics, that's interesting. No, he ran for president and lost to Ferdinand Marcos Jr., I believe. He's the president right now. Uh, why, but why anyway, the Celtics? Give you a reason on, on the being Celtics fans, just the team they picked when they were kids? Yeah. That would have been good reporting. I should have asked that. I didn't ask that, but they apparently attended the um, attended the finals last year and still are not wow. over it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, they wanted to know where you two guys were. They're prepared to, you know, lead a delegation. Well, come um, on, hey, extend the invitation. Bring us on down. I would. Yeah. I really would. I'd love to check out. Just because you hear so much, like you're talking about, how the Philippines loves basketball. Like, I'd love to go check out uh, one of the games in their professional league. I've seen that, a Puerto Rican pro game, and I think there's some similarities, although Puerto Rico is a place where, you know, it's obviously baseball first, but there is a big basketball passion fan base there. But the Philippines, I've like I said, I've always just heard how passionate they are about basketball. And honestly, that's... One reason I am I'm disappointed that they haven't been able to win a game yet, just because I know how much this must mean to the to you know to the people there and the basketball culture there. Yeah. While we're talking well, about political figures, I just want to say uh, also a shout out to Mary Kay Carlson, who I spent some time with. She is the United States ambassador to the Philippines. Uh, until you, I was going to say soon, Wendy's going to be Wendy's going to be the ambassador to Abu Dhabi, and then he's going to get transferred to the Philippines. After that, he's just we're just going around the world picking up political uh, Listen, political endorsements, McMahon. Madam Ambassador came to the uh, Team USA practice the other day. She is from Little Rock, big Arkansas. And, yeah, how about there being two Arkansans on Team USA, including? Bobby Portis, who's from Little Rock, and uh, and Austin Reeves, who's from Newark. I think it's how you pronounce it, Arkansas. So yeah, you know, look, it's this is this is how I roll out here, guys. I'm not out here just you know writing about pick and roll coverage. Okay, no, I'm he, out he's here, out there setting up his no, representing. That's right. That's right. Pick shaking roll, hands, no, politics. Shaking hands, <laughs> kissing sir. babies, and preparing his his runs for political office. That's what he's doing. I am out here representing the American basketball community, representing ESPN and representing Hoop Collective oh, well, uh, listen, internationally. Listen, two, so, two of those three entities really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. Well, speaking of uh, our Kansans in, um, in the World Cup, 
I didn't go with Team USA to Spain, but I got a report from there. I did go to Team USA, Team USA to the UAE and have been here in Manila. And I am prepared to say that Austin Reeves is a worldwide sensation. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, is, is that the case or is he just on the Lakers and is a, a good player on the Lakers? I would say it's more well, the that's, latter. No well, disrespect to Austin Reeves. Started. No disrespect to Austin well, Reeves that's, at all. Well, that's where it started. I agree. That's why he's known, but he's also yeah. playing great and winning over the fans tonight. Um, I saw some video. Austin was at a, um, some sort of shoe convention and there was thousands of people who came to see an appearance he made at a shoe convention. And there's all kinds of Austin Reeves jerseys I'm seeing all over Manila. Now, yes, of course, they're Lakers, like so many places in the world. There's they're Lakers yeah. crazy here. So, yeah, I mean, course. that's that's all but, I'm saying. He's he's had a he's played terrific for the past month. And he has obviously had a great start to his career with the Lakers. I just think, bro, if I want to explain for any other team. This wouldn't be happening right now. That's all in the second quarter. When Austin Reeves hit a three, he was leading the, the U.S. got down in this game, which I'll talk about in a second. He had a three-pointer as part of a big run. And when he turned around and did the ice in my veins move, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I'm him. By the way, that's the whole thing. Um, When he, like, walks past people, they all scream to him, you know, you're him, you're him, you know, from the moment in the playoffs he was mic'd up. Sure. That's awesome. When he gave the ice in the veins uh, pose, Mm-hmm. It sounded like a Taylor Swift concert in that building. <laughs> the screams from the people. They yeah. loved it. Sure. Um, <clears throat> he played 22 minutes in this game and I believe was plus 19. Yeah. Made a huge difference uh, coming off the bench. The starters were absolutely flat. So here's what happened. So New Zealand, obviously their players were saying after the game that they'd been preparing their game plan for three weeks. Secondly, because it was a, and I don't want to absolve the U S of what happened in this game. It was, it was mildly concerning the way this game played out, especially since the last game, their starting line, their starting lineup got boat raced by uh, Germany before Austin Reeves and Tyrese Halliburton bailed them out, which they did again in this game. So before the game, there was all this pomp and circumstance. And the Kiwis, the All Blacks, as they are known, the New Zealand team. Uh, I'm sorry, take the back. The All Blacks are the rugby team. The Tall Blacks yeah. are uh, the the basketball team. Well, pun. The Tall Blacks are out there 27 minutes before the game on the clock going through their warm-up. Very unusual to see a team out there with that much on the clock. But they were ready because Team USA didn't come out until there was like 14 minutes on the clock, and they had to go through the following. A team photo a dance routine done by some dance troupe to ceremony of first game, whatever, which they turn the lights off for player introductions, the national anthems for both teams, all time. The clock is running and they had to watch the ad respectfully. The New Zealanders go through their war dance routine. The haka. Um, I'm not going to pronounce it. Cause I, I botched yes. it last time. I'm it's not going to embarrass called, myself. It's just called, it. it's just called the haka. It's not that hard to say. Okay. Well, anyway, then Wendy's not trying to be the ambassador to New Zealand. He clearly is not. Clearly go on. Is not. I would love to go to New Zealand. I've been to New Zealand. It's wonderful. Anyway, then just before this stuff's happening, a guy, an imposter wearing <laughs> what looked like official New Zealand uniforms, mm-hmm. a uniform got onto the floor. Wait, what? Really? Like, yes. like a, like a playing like, uniform? He had, or was he looking as far like as coach? I can tell? No, as far as I could tell, and I didn't go feel the material with my hands. He looked like he had acquired either an official New Zealand uniform or one hell of a replica. So this was like the guy <laughs> in New just Orleans comes... that one time who did the warm ups, who was out there just yeah. like shooting that had like the whole warm up gear on. It was like that. I don't remember that, but sure. Sounds um, like it. it tur- yeah. It turns out that this guy is a English influencer, YouTuber, prankster who's got 2 million IG followers. And 
I really want to know how he got the uniform. The, he was wearing the number 24, and apparently there was a 24 with New Zealand before their mm. team got cut. I want to know where that uniform is. That's what I would do if I was an investigator. Anyway, the point is, this was another disturbance that happened on the court, and security did recognize it, grab him, and yank him out of there. So that all went down, and the, and the U.S. had like 90 seconds to warm up. Now, <laughs> that is not an shot. excuse. <laughs> that is not an excuse for why they got down by 10 points. But I'm just telling you, the whole thing was a mess. By the way, they knew all that stuff was happening. It wasn't like they got to- they didn't know all that, but they just didn't come yeah. out with enough time. And so, and then the the basketball was bouncing funny. Look, I'm just going to say I don't know. I don't know what happens in FIBA, but there is almost nothing that you could tell me that I would rule out out of hand. No. And if you tell me that they got a basketball that was slightly flat, I, all I know is that Anthony Edwards twice just was dribbling the ball and the ball didn't like come back to his hand. McMahon, did you notice that so Brian started was... this off by saying he wasn't good? He was, there was this was a mildly concerning game and it's now spent the past nine minutes listing off uh, all it, of the excuses. It, it, it was mildly concerning. He's telling us about the circus. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing around. I'm my, just messing my around. Yes, I'm just, there are dead spots on the floor, but who knows? Uh, who knows? Yes, because, I don't know. I don't as know. As you said, anything, anyway. anything is, this is a truly an anything is possible yes. situation all the way around. The other thing is that New Zealand it was a good game plan. They literally, when I say they bumped the U S on every play, when the, when New Zealand would score, all of their players would go up to the guy that they were guarding and bump them just for the hell of it. And it was kind of effective because (coughs) the Americans were out of sorts Mm -hmm. for like five minutes. And Steve Kerr started substituting. He had substituted four guys in the first uh, five minutes of the game. So, and then they didn't play great to start the, the third quarter either. But Austin Reeves and Tyrese Halliburton were terrific in their minutes. And then Paolo Bancaro mm-hmm. made his first six shots and scored 21 points overall, made a couple of three pointers in the um, third quarter. Paolo has been on this journey to get used to the basketball. The basketball, if you felt it, it feels softer than a NBA ball. And also the there's panel. more panels. Yeah. Yeah. There's more panels and it feels softer and that bothers the shooters. Also, Jaron Jackson was telling me that it's bouncier, even though I didn't think it was bouncy when Ant was dribbling it, but Ant had four turnovers in the first half, including two where he just, you heard the term lost your dribble. It literally lost it because he was dribbling it and the ball didn't come up. So I don't, I don't know what kind of sorcery was that was, but Palo Bancaro has been struggling with this basketball. He was two of 10 on free throws in the warm-up games. And so when he got off the bus in Manila on Tuesday, traveling from Abu Dhabi, he had the ball under his arm. And I think he traveled, I think he like carried like a carry-on on the 10-hour flight, like a running back who, you know, would like fumble the ball and they say, Uh you know, sleep with the ball, son. Uh And he's been working out extra with Chip England. Uh, the shooting coach. And so like it all came together in one moment, Paolo Bancaro with 21 points. And he was pretty happy. I talked to him after the game. He was very happy with the way it turned out, but you know, and he was, he's, he's even, he was saying like, I, you know, I've been keeping to myself, you know, I'm sure he feels a lot out of sorts here, even though the team is young, he's like sort of, you know, the new kid, you know, in school. And he's even said, he's like, I've been keeping to myself. I'm just trying to focus. I'm just trying to do good. So he had a get a good game, but the, the front line uh, struggled. I don't know if you got to, got to watch that uh, McMahon, but that was that was my assessment of the game. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched some of it and watched uh, the highlights thing. And you know, it wasn't a great start for the U.S. when the early highlights for the U.S. were free throws. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the official FIBA highlights. Like, Ooh, this is it's interesting because you know you've mentioned several times like they have had a starting lineup and they have stuck with that starting lineup. And this is two straight games where that starting lineup kind of had to get bailed out. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see how committed Steve Kerr is to status quo when, you know, it's not like they've taken a loss or anything, but they have not exactly looked like a juggernaut in these last couple of games. He was asked for the record. He was asked and he said he was, he didn't consider a lineup change at halftime. So I don't know. He didn't seem to say anything today, but he was asked about that. I would say to just keep it the same because to me, this has gone exactly as you'd want it to, not the starting part 
where the team is starting badly. But this second unit, especially with Reese and Halliburton coming in together, has just been wrecking teams, flying up and down the court, playing incredibly fast in transition, getting guys like Paolo a lot of easy baskets against these second units that cannot keep up with their athleticism. And to me, I would just keep rolling with that because I think as they go through the tournament, that's going to be a really significant advantage for these guys against whoever they play. Because no matter what team, even against a team like the Canadians, when they get it past their sixth or seventh guy, they don't have guys that can keep up with the kind of athletes that Team USA is bringing in with this second group. I mean, if you run out there with Halliburton, Reeves, Josh Hart, Cam Johnson, and Paolo, you can just fly up and down the court. And, you know, obviously it's funny with Josh Hart being out there. It's a lot like how the Knicks played over the second half of the season once he got there with him and Emmanuel quickly, just pushing the pace flying up and down in transition. I, I think that's right from the, the beginning of training camp. They've made that a pretty big emphasis with that second group going back to Vegas. And you saw in that game, those guys came in, it was 14 to four in about 90 seconds. It felt like they were right back in the game and completely flipped it around because New Zealand just couldn't handle their speed. Well, Austin Reeves. So I'm, I'm learning about his game as I'm watching him up close. You know, I knew he was an excellent shooter. I knew he had a real quick release. I knew that he was really sort of beyond his years and his savviness and getting to the foul line. Um, I knew that he embraced moments, but mm-hmm. one of the things that I've watched him do is how poised he is and how he never hurries. You know, that was one of the things that was happening in this particular game. And like New Zealand, you know, they were playing very physical and predictably they just, they had a good game plan. They were prepared. They just didn't have the talent and they ran out of a gas, but um, they were applying quite a bit of pressure. That was their game plan to apply pressure and play fast. And the one thing I've noticed about Austin is that he never hurries. He's not flustered and he's a really good passer. Yeah. And he looks for his shot, but he really is not focused on it and he'll go through his, his options. And when he sort of probes, like with the first, when the first like option isn't there, he's very calm about it. He plays, he plays older than he is. Yeah, he no, plays older than the, he is. You can put the ball in his hands and you're going to get a lot of good shots. If you put the ball in his hands and he's running pick and roll or, you know, whatever, like he'll create good shots, whether for himself or, or somebody else. And that honestly is the part of his game that I underestimated. And then you, you know, you see him up close in the playoffs, like Jesus, <laughs> this guy is really, really good. I was trying to think of a cop okay. for him. And the guy that yeah. I think I've settled on is he's not quite as big, but is Chris Middleton. Really solid, mm-hmm. not super flashy, not doesn't do a lot of stuff that pops like a like highlight play wise, but very solid creator, really good shooter, solid defender. Like I said, it's not perfect because Middleton's a couple inches bigger, but that's just I he's kind of this it's kind of the same thing where you no matter where you plug him in or what you need him to do. He could slot in and do exactly that. That's why that contract was so great for them. Like if you're saying he's a Chris Middleton type player, that's a guy who's made several all-star teams, max level player. And Austin Reeves just signed for a backup money for the next four years. I mean, it's a pretty blatant Here's something. of the uh, of the NBA comp rules. <laughs> like, you got to be like, ah, like I see like Utah Jazz, Gordon Hayward. Sure. Or- you know, sure. maybe like, hey, if Parson, Chandler Parsons never got hurt, like, you you know, you, you got to, there's a certain demographical uh, rule that applies to Austin Reeves comps. Well, his teammates love him. They love him. They love playing with him. The fans love him. And here's the thing. I'm going to do this for him because he won't say this publicly. Next time they do one of these, the matches where... They have NBA players play in a golf event. You know, Steph Curry is the best NBA golfer. That's without clip, without yeah. without question. You He's know, pretty close last though, time they Austin. Had, so last time they had Clay Thompson play with Steph. And look, I'm never saying a bad word about Clay, but it wasn't <laughs> the greatest showing from Clay. So look, our brethren at Turner Sports who put this together, puts these together. They're usually on, I think, TBS or something yeah, too, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Austin's a legit golfer. Let me give you let me give you a little piece of advice. Think about Austin Reeves. And again, to use our favorite line from Billions, I am not uncertain that Austin would have interest in participating alongside Steph and that Austin and Steph often talk about golf. I'm not uncertain. So let me tell you something. You may think, well, Clay Thompson's a bigger name than Austin Reeves. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. He is not Clay Thompson, but this guy is absolutely 
winning over fans by the day. The star is on um, the rise. And yeah, he's he's on the World Cup team and he's he's the third best player on the Lakers. I I'd say that qualifies him to be on to be on the uh, I like tournament or that I, match play show. I like how Wendy says he he wouldn't say this. Dude, this is the guy who on national TV I'm him. Look at the camera and scream and arm him. Yeah. Like, let's, uh, you know, we don't need to make the man modest. Listen, like, our guy, he feels pretty he good al- about himself, and rightfully so. He also went and played a round of golf with our guy, Dan Wojcicki. I'm pretty sure he would play a round of golf with Steph Curry on TV. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty play, confident. If, <laughs> if he likes golf enough to hang with for a few Ex- hours. Exactly. 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 Yes. So uh, let me say something about Tyrese Halliburton as well. Steve Kerr had an interesting comparison when talking about Halliburton because, mm-hmm. oh, he is shooting the heck out of the ball and he's creating a ton of turnovers. He's got six steals last three games. And I got to tell you something, like if I was Jaron Jackson, I might, I'm afraid that when this is over, Jaron Jackson is going to be like so many big men who play FIBA over the years and be like, this stinks for bigs because he is not getting correct in my opinion correct recognition for her block shots. They gave him one block shot in this game. He's also always in foul trouble. And some of it is he tries to block too many shots and he gets in foul trouble. That's one of his things, but like he's not getting good whistles then he's not getting appropriate uh, stats because there's no way he had one block in this game. And if he only had one block, then he altered two or three other shots with so much wind from his um, uh, the, from his hand swinging, that the ball changed direction. But anyway, he's playing uh, with Tyrese a fan. Halliburton. <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton is got six steals the last three games, and one of the things that is an asset for the, for the USA team, especially, is defending without fouling because fouls are you know you're only allowed four. <clears throat> oh, geez, here and, we go. Uh, here we go again. And uh, foul out on your fifth, just to be clear. <laughs> and that and that's that's a an issue to put the other team on the line. You just want to have to you want to be able to defend. So anyway, uh, Halliburton's been great, but Steve Kerr had an interesting comp for the way he plays. He's watched him now on his team for a month, and he said he's like a quarterback who goes through his progressions. And makes the correct decision on like whether to check down or go for the home run or throw it over the middle, whatever. And then has a good instinct for in a quarterback parlance, when to take off with the ball or in in uh, Halliburton's situation, when to shoot it. And what has, you know, he has an odd shot. It's almost looks kind of like a slingshot. Shot yeah, calling it a set shot is not accurate, but he, yeah, it looks like it's from a different era. It's part um, of why he dropped in the naked. draft. I think he's he he's yes. a funky he's a funky player. He's skinny. He's got a funky looking shot. You know, he right. it, it doesn't look it doesn't look like it should for an elite player, which he quite yeah. obviously is an elite player. Questions about his size as well, but yes. So anyway, the U.S. plays Greece in the second their second game on uh, what it will be Monday morning in the U.S. at eight forty. AM on ESPN two. We'll see if their front line plays a little bit better. We've we've already talked about Brandon Ingram not playing well. He hasn't he didn't play well again. One of four, his minutes got cut. He only played uh, sixteen minutes. Um, so we'll see if he plays better. By the way, you mentioned but, it earlier. Just to, just real quick about the Dominican. I I would guess as of now they're pretty likely to be the U.S.'s opponent in the quarterfinals, which would be a pretty massive accomplishment. Yeah. If they're able to pull that off, the the U.S. side of the bracket is very weak, and the other group—I mean, Serbia should win the other group, the other half of their on their the other half of the U.S. bracket—and the Dominicans really should finish second. And if they do, that would be that they would get the U.S. in the quarterfinals, which would be that'd be pretty huge for them for Carl Towns if they could do Man, that. That would be terrific, uh, for sure. So, um, but back to Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, a request for more Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> there you go. There, just provided. Uh, I got a story I got waiting to run to on me, him. Uh, from an Indiana fella this week. Seconding. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seconding the request from uh, Tyrese's dad. Well, um, I'll say this about Tyrese um, is that, you know, one of the things his dad, his dad's name is John. He was like a very, very proud resident of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And, you know, <laughs> Tyrese, when he was a kid, you know, he was from Oshkosh. He wasn't from Milwaukee. He wasn't from Chicago. He didn't get as much attention as a high, as a standout high school player. Not as much attention, for example, 
as Tyler Hero, who is from Milwaukee and went to Connecticut, went to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh Tyrese went to Iowa State, it was really his only high major offer at the time. More teams came in later after he committed, fell in the draft despite having a great college career. Yeah. Uh, traded from Sacramento. Even on this team, like, you know, I have no problem with Jalen Brunson starting and Jalen is he he's not playing great, but he's not playing poorly. Yeah. It fits um, it fits but, the th- uh, whether regardless of the fairness, it fits yes. the theme to your point. It fits the theme. And one of the things that his dad has told him throughout the years with all these challenges and probably a thousand more is that, you know, do play your game and be yourself and they'll find you. The scouts yeah. will find you. The media will find you. The the teammates will find you. You know, the teams will find you. It, it'll work out for you. And you know, well. I was talking about this the other day. I'm talking about this the other day. You know, he's on Team USA playing great. He just signed a $200 million contract. Um, they found him. <laughs> and yeah. Steve Kerr has found him in yeah. uh, in his lineup uh, recently. So and I'm really excited um, to watch Indiana play this year. Like with that, with, with all the athletes they've got on that team now, trading for Obi Toppin, the draft Jarris Walker. They've got Ben Matherin, who was a really intriguing rookie last year. Miles Turner's a you know, big time center. Like they, they got a lot of athletes and a lot of temp buddy healed, terrific shooter. Like they, they're going to be able to fly up and down the court. Like it's sort of built for him to really make them into a super fun team this year. And I, I'm excited to see what that looks like. I think it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Good thing you have league pass right. on national TV. <laughs> I do. I do have league Bef- pass and I'll be using it. Before we move on to uh, Giannis. We need to have a discussion uh-oh, by uh-oh. so-called friends. Oh, so-called about nice. about Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Oh. Now you may say, why are you bring up Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who has played, who has not played in the NBA in two years, and when he did play, he played eleven games uh, right after the pandemic. Former Nets first-round pick, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yes. Rondell Jefferson, as we mentioned on the last podcast, is playing for Jordan. But I was watching Jordan play against Greece. Guys, something remarkable is happening with Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He has made a decision, and I'm going to try to talk to him about this if I can. I've never, if I don't think I've ever spoken to him before, and if I have, it was very brief. Rondé, Rondé is a, a all-time interview. Terrific guy. Well, I got some questions because Rondale Jefferson has made a, a life decision to morph himself in to a duplicate of Kobe Bryant. And I'm not just saying this in passing. Mm-hmm. Rondale Jefferson looks vastly different than he looked when we last saw him in the NBA two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. He has. He now has devoted everything in his life to look and play like Kobe. And you may think that I'm crazy. Well, I invite you to go to social media and look because he has lost weight. He has cut his hair into a very close facsimile of the way Kobe cut his hair. They do resemble each other. He is now wearing that sleeve on his left arm, or that wristband, like that big wristband on his left arm. And he's walking like Kobe. Uh, He's wearing it on his right arm, but it's his his off arm. Okay, that's right. You're correct. I was going to say, the only thing, when you see him make these moves, whether he's moving, whether he's like posing, he looks like Kobe. Yeah, he's like, doing the thing like where when he releases his jump shot and he leans in, you know, until it goes yes. in, like all the mannerisms. Except he's left-handed, so that right. it looks a little bit off. But I'm telling you, like you know, like during the pandemic, those various guys, you know, went viral on social media because they were great at mimicking what players looked like or like their shot or their movements. This is what he's done, and he looks like him. Now, the other thing is, like, as I remember, and Bontemps, you covered him day to day. As I remember, Ron Ellis Jefferson was like a three and D, like a 
like a you know well, work hard he, on defense he, type he, player. Yeah, he was a guy. He was he was not a three and D. He was a D who was they <laughs> yeah. were hoping would develop a jumper, and when he didn't, sort of had to become a four or even a five, and was a you know really interesting athlete. Played at Arizona, got actually traded. Mason Plumley got traded to Portland for the pick that became Rondé Hollis Jefferson by the Nets, and yeah, like that was sort of the hope was he'd become a really good perimeter defender who could hit threes the three never really came around and so that was sort of the way his career trajectory went to the point where he did bulk up a little bit his career went along to try to handle playing inside more and like you said you you look at him now now he's from chester pennsylvania he's always worn 24 but you look at his body now his haircut everything he's wearing the one armband like kobe like it it is pretty funny um how it looks and i i look forward to hearing what ronnie has to say about it because he He's a great talker. I'm sure he'll be happy to talk about it when you see. I'm him. hoping to catch up with him. He scored 20. Now he's, you know, the days of four yeah, good, and five. Yeah, he, had a, he had a good game the other day for Jordan. He had 24 Greece. points on 11 shots. That's not Kobe like. <laughs> 24 and 11. <laughs> if 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 Kobe went seven of seven of 11, he would have gotten up about 12 more. Uh, I was going to speak he, to him about that. He's going seven of eleven. He's going twenty-one of thirty-three. Yeah, he would have been seven That's of right. eleven in the first quarter and be like, "Oh yeah, this is good. We're going to keep going." Um, so anyway, I just, if you're bored, look it up. <laughs> you think, think I'm nuts. Um, no, the, the FIBA, uh, you know, the official FIBA Twitter, whatever we're calling that thing. They, they tweeted out some highlights and, you know, mentioned Kobe. It, and there, it was unmistakable. It was unmistakable. There's no way you could have seen it. And of course the Filipino fans love it. Uh, he did play in the Philippines this last season. He also played in Puerto Rico. So he's a little bit higher profile for all I know. He's been doing this for a while and it just came to my attention when I saw him, but Everybody, this is not like a, a hot take. Everybody who saw him was like, look at this guy. So anyway, okay. Giannis Atenacumpo gave an interview to the New York Times that was published um, a couple of days ago, I believe. Do you want to do trivia maybe first Friday? before we start this? Oh, Jeez, man. you had trivia, good sir. I thought we only did trivia. That's okay. I was, just, I was just checking. Mr. Bontemps, enlighten this is... us. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. And now, to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. This is from uh, this is from our guy, the machine, Kevin Pelton, who called me after the pod mm. the other day with uh, a trivia question that I thought was pretty good. Well, I have no uh, chance if it's from him. Well, it is it is a tricky one, for sure. But since the merger, there are six guys who have made All-NBA first team who are not in the Hall of Fame. For, I shouldn't say for the merger. From 2005 and before. So okay. those 40 years. Guys who are, who are Hall of Fame Hall of Fame eligible. Hall of Fame eligible. So not guys in the league now. So like obviously like LeBron isn't in, for example. All right. He's going to be. Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp did not make first team all NBA. Hmm. Okay. I, I was thinking, I was I was shooting for a Seattle. Did Mark Price make first team all Mark NBA? Price is one of them. That is great. Well, that's that's up my alley. That's up I my, know. Come on, that that's one my I childhood. That's so there's That's six guys. Childhood. There's six guys. One of them is Truck Robinson, who made it in 1978 for the Jazz. You were never going to get Truck Robinson. So Robinson. I've never heard one. of him. I'm sorry. Yeah, ex- well, sorry. yes, that's Truck. exactly why. So that 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 one set aside. The other five are gettable. Mark Price, I thought you would get Brian. That's one of them. Okay, so we got Mark Price, Truck Robinson, first team All NBA, not in the Hall of Fame. Four hmm. more guys. Whew. I'll be honest with you, that is a tough. You're gonna have to give hints. Pelton, what are you doing with this off season, buddy? Yeah, boy, my my, it's it's still morning time for me, bro. And I had a little. Got to get. He went to pickle and you know what he did, Bontemps. He went to pickle and chicken. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I don't know what pickle and chicken it's, is. No, enlighten me. The other way around, chicken and pickle. It's uh, chicken and pickle. Oh, okay, sorry. The the Denver Nuggets. Well, that, coach, that might be something different altogether. You might be able to get that. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets coaches actually went uh, when they're in Dallas. It's this huge place where they've got a bunch of pickleball courts and like you know food, and it's like basically a sports bar slash pickleball complex. And Listen, so, Bontemps, he used to go out in Britain. Now he goes to now he goes to play pickleball. There's your there's your Listen. Tim McMahon update. Listen, it's you know things things change. Yeah, the IT department threw me an early birthday party. The, th- the theme was your big deal. <laughs> okay, this podcast is over. <laughs> I'm just telling you facts here. Oh, uh, 
bad. Uh, God. Yeah, the four. Like, you you, you got to provide some hints here. I, I'm I'm not in a. I'm not at my uh, trivia. There were there were two more guys. Two of the four guys remaining also played, or also made it in the nineties. We'll start with that. Oh, made it in the. 90s. He said Sean Kemp, and that wasn't one of them. Sean yeah. Kemp was not one of them. I really felt good about the Sean Kemp one. Damn. That's a good guess. I don't think he never made first team. Obviously, otherwise that would have that's that's the right kind of guess though. Is R- Ralph Sampson's got? Is he's not nineties, but I bet Ralph Sampson. No, no Ralph nope. Sampson. He actually. Well, he's also in. he's also in the hall. Okay, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if he made first team. Ever. That's where the Hall of Fame's weird because it's not just an NBA Hall. Right, of Fame. it's not just NBA. Right, the nineties. Damn, I'm struggling, man. One, one's the the one guy career career got sidelined by injuries, or he would have been a Hall of Fame player in the nineties. I don't know, man. Guard, I, I, uh, Dan Marley, Penny Hardaway, Penny Hardaway. Yeah, there's there. Oh, that's okay. that's one. Another one is a uh, a current color analyst for a team and has been up for the Hall of Fame multiple times in recent years. I think is a good bet. Chris Webber. Nope, Chris Webber's in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, Chris. I guess oh. Chris Webber when I got asked this and got it wrong. Got it wrong. Color analyst for a team. Hmm. I don't know, man. You're gonna have to help. I'm waiting. Just go ahead. Right. We don't even have we don't have a guess on it. No, just do it. We're the listeners are getting tired. All right, Marcus Johnson. Oh, okay. All right, he wasn't in the nineties. All right, who are the other ones? No, he wasn't. He wasn't in. He wasn't in the nineties. That you got the ones. Oh, and the other one that was in the nineties uh, that you didn't say spent. was Latrell Sprewell. Hmm. So there you go. Well, choke the future color analyst. Um, <laughs> that's 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 true. <laughs> was that all of them yeah all right yeah I, I don't i feel like there was if i feel like when i listen back to this there's not it's not all gonna marry up that's all i'm gonna say oh I'm wait say- i'm sorry there was one other one also from no i i knew i forgot to name one this you weren't gonna probably get this one either who was gus williams who played for kevin seattle supersonics that was the other name dude so the, the five guys were whole, held the five guys year. were gus williams Mark Price, Latrell Sprewell, Penny Hardaway, and Marcus Johnson. Those yeah, are the five names of the like, trivia question. Like ridiculous high IQ, like graduate level trivia questions. <laughs> I thought you guys would get the not I thought you guys would get the 90 ones. So Man, it took a while. The other, the other ones were tough. All right. There you go. Well, anyway, Giannis uh, gave an interview to the New York Times, came out uh, a couple days ago. Um, and uh there was a photo shoot. Um, I'm not exactly sure what he was promoting, but it was a photo shoot that New York Times did. And I was, and somebody told me, I think it's right, but I was it the photo shoot was done at Jimmy Goldstein's house in uh in the Hollywood Hills, which is um Jimmy Goldstein, the famous NBA fan, snakeskin, mm-hmm. cowboy hats. Um uh his house, like it's all made out of concrete and uh was used in the Big Lebowski. I wonder how many of our Listeners have watched the Big Lebowski. Um, anyway, a uh, little little uh, crossover of NBA uh, things going on there. Um, so he basically said he's not going to sign an extension this uh, September. He becomes eligible in September. He's not going to sign it. Um, I think we can and- move basically. He will, he will not be signing yeah, an extension. Yeah, and, and that, that in and of itself is not surprising. I, I don't – even though we were going to talk about it, um, him not not extending with two years left on his contract with the age of the team and some uncertainty there with a new coach and Drew Holiday, Financially, Financially, it also didn't make any sense. We never expected him to extend. Correct. So yeah. um, by waiting another year, he can add another, another year – you can sign for more years later on. Um, but that wasn't really what the um, news of what he said here was. This was, to me, one of the most important things that's happened in the NBA all summer, this quote, no. even more than the James Harden and Dame Lillard scenarios. No question. Quote, 
I would not be the best version of myself if I didn't know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I, like I do. And if I don't feel that, I'm not signing. Yeah, that was after he said next summer, it would make sense for both parties. And he's talking about in terms of the, the numbers. Even then, yes. I don't know. Right. Okay, Bontemps, there's some stuff to unpack there. You can go first. Yeah, so this is an interesting move obviously, on a variety of levels by Giannis. A, the simple fact of just saying it, right? As you said, it's the most important thing that's happened this summer because guys of his caliber potentially being on the market don't happen very often. Dame Lillard's a future Hall of Fame player, obviously. James Harden's obviously a future Hall of Fame player. Neither of those guys are on Giannis's level, one of the two or three best players in the league. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think this does a lot of good for the Bucks, really on any level. Obviously, if he hadn't signed the extension, there would yeah. have been questions this season about what his future would look like. There were a lot of ways that could have been handled, could have easily just come to training camp and said, look, guys, I'm not going to sign the extension. I love being in Milwaukee. We'll deal with that next summer. And it would have been yeah, a storyline. But it wouldn't have been like this. Or now yeah, he could have left it as, hey, financially it didn't make sense to do it now. That's a next sure. summer. Or even just we'll just wait and deal with it then. Even if he just said that. But by doing this the way he has and sort of putting everybody on blast to at least a certain extent, if not completely, with a first year head coach and Adrian Griffin, mm -hmm. with you know, with a roster where Drew Holiday can be a free agent next summer can extend after the trade deadline, but not, not before then, you know, there, there's going to be an intense amount of pressure now on the Bucks, even more than there already was. And this is going to be a story that's going to be hovering now for the next 11 months until we get to next July and we see what Giannis decides to do. And if we get to July 1st and he says, I'm not going to extend, then you're really in a very significant pivot point there for what the Bucs decide to do. And now that is going to be one of the dominant storylines of this whole season. Can the Bucs win the title? And whether they do or not, is that going to be enough to convince him to stay there? And then what are the ramifications if he decides not to? Like, there's just no getting around that now. That's going to be a dominant story and put a ton of pressure on this team. And frankly, it didn't have to go like this. This was an active choice by Giannis to do that, and there's going to be repercussions from it. Yeah, and, and he's been pretty consistent as far as leaving the door cracked to, mm -hmm. at some point, leave Milwaukee. I mean, there were, there, this is the, I don't know, third or fourth time that he's done some interview where you know he's kind of acknowledged, like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be in Milwaukee forever. Uh, yeah, you know, and in this one, you know, talking to Tom Ginguli of the New York Times, he you know basically said that he would love to spend his whole career with one organization like Dirk, like Kobe, blah blah blah. But he says at the end of the day, being a winner, it's over that goal. Winning a championship comes first. I don't want to be twenty years on the same team and don't win another championship. And look, man, even if they keep Drew Holiday, like the guys, the core of that team that he won with. They're all getting older. They're all getting to the point where I think it's going to be tough to look at this thing and say, hey, two, three, four years down the road, the Bucs are set up to be uh, a favorite in the Eastern Conference. And yes, this absolutely is going to be a huge story. Uh, this might even, like, you, you, we've talked a lot about Embiid. Uh, we've talked about, you know, the, the possibility with Luca. Luca has never said anything to suggest that he's thinking that that's just the fear of understanding sure. business and you know the the pressure uh the, the appropriate the fear correct right and and you know the mavericks the urgency they have to try to get it right because they understand like everybody else the way the nba operates we've now had joel Embiid publicly say hey it might not be in philadelphia we've had Giannis. For again, I don't know how many times this is now, the third or fourth time. This is definitely the strongest. He's the one who's putting this out there. Um, and I, I think that both of those situations, like the Mavericks have urgency, but I think there's a better chance that they've got a little bit more time 
just because the timelines of the careers and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas as, as Giannis and Embiid are applying some pretty significant pressure coming from their own mouths. Well, and the other thing about this with Giannis too, with this timing, right? It's an interesting thing to say, I want to see if everybody's all in. Because if you look at how this summer went, the Bucks spent a ton of money to re-sign yeah. Brooke Lopez, to re-sign Chris Middleton, and I think fairly significantly fired Mike Budenholzer and hired Adrian yeah. Griffin. And I, I think it's safe to say that all of those decisions, all four of them, the firing and the hiring and the two signings, were all made with the hope and the expectation of Giannis being satisfied with them. It's hard for me to sit here and look at this summer and say the Bucks did not go all in to do the things Giannis wants them to do, which I would say shows at least some sign of he's got some lingering frustrations about some stuff because well, it's hard else. It's hard otherwise to look at this and say, Oh yeah, they, they went out and did the things this summer that I would have hoped they could do, which again, it's just all very interesting. The way this was packaged, the way it was said and the ramifications of what it means for the next 12 months until he has a pretty significant decision to make. Yeah. And I think it's easier to basically say, Hey, everybody's got to be all in than it is to say, mm, look at these dudes in the, in, in the, locker room with me. Look at the dudes in the core. Like, hey, Brooke Lopez is 35. Uh, Drew Holiday is 33. Chris Middleton's 32. Like, how's this thing going to be a contender a couple of years from now? I don't see it. <laughs> you, you you can't say that and then go, you know, for sure. Part of the team with those guys. So, you know, the fact that he went this route, maybe that's I don't I don't know why he would choose to say that, but I think the reality would be even more problematic to say out loud. Could be. So, yeah. So I think <laughs> if you're the Bucks, none of this, none of these challenges that we talked about are new, but I think they would have preferred for a little bit more of a honeymoon following the signings for sure. Yeah. The Bucks have been significant contenders to win the title for five seasons, going back to 1819 mm -hmm. when they lost in the conference finals. Uh, they won 60 games that year. They have, pretty much been a serious contender ever since last year they had the number one overall seed and lost uh in the first round it is extraordinarily difficult to compete to win for a championship which they did already win one for six straight years because they're going to compete this year and so that that's the, the two things i would take away from the yana situation one they have a great chance to win the championship this year mm -hmm. just like they did last year and yep. While there is a focus on where he's going to go, because that's a natural order in the NBA, should not take away from the fact that I'm sure it won't for Giannis personally, should not take away from the fact of their potency as a contender now. Yeah. Um, they obviously can always get better. They may tweak the roster. We'll see how Chris Middleton comes back from a, from a down season plagued by injuries, et cetera. But let's not lose that. And the second thing is, is that even if they had won, an, even if they had won the title last year, and they were planning a ring night this fall, mm -hmm. they would still be facing the challenge of what you just described, McMahon, as flipping the team over because the core players are all older than Giannis, significantly older than Giannis. Mm -hmm. And even if they had been perfect, and even if Mike Budenholzer had won Coach of the Year four years in a row, that challenge is going to be there. Right. It doesn't mean that it's like, oh my gosh, it's a failure. No. Um, it's just the nature of it. Now, you can argue they, yeah, haven't, would, they haven't maximized it. You can absolutely argue that, especially them fair. getting bounced the first time like they did. But they've mm -hmm. had a great run. And listen, Giannis is, since he's become, you know, MVP uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, his commitment to Milwaukee has always been pretty conditional. I mean, before he signed the, the last extension, you had the Heat, the Mavericks, teams all around the league lining up, scheming, trying to figure out ways they could either trade for him or if he did make it a free agency, they were they were prepared uh, to pounce. The Lakers, you know, I mean, it was, you know, th that thing was shaping up right until the Bucks managed to acquire Drew Holiday, who was an in-his-prime, perfect-fitting co-star. And, and that's when, yeah, that's when you like, cool. Say. We can we can win a championship now. We can contend for the you know foreseeable future. I'll sign that extension. Boom. So what I'm saying is, it took them 
acquiring an all-star caliber player in his prime to get Giannis to the point where he put his name on the dotted line of an extension the last time. That's awfully difficult to do. It's awfully difficult to do, you know, uh, uh, for a second time. And, and let's be honest, especially in a market like Milwaukee, where you're probably not going to have guys asking to be traded there. Totally. Well, and over the five years that we've tra- we're talking about, since 1819, Bucks have 23 more wins than any other team. They've won almost 70% of their games. Have been, as you said, both of you said, right there to win the title every year. Kind of amazingly, they sort of skated this year, losing in the first round. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, the way they lost in the first round, blowing back-to-back 20-point leads in five games, losing game five at home, one of the still one of the most stunning games I think I'll ever be at, that game five at home in Milwaukee when they lost to the Heat, blew the fourth quarter lead with Jimmy Butler and Bam on the bench to start the quarter, didn't score for four and a half minutes. And Hero breaking his hand in the first half of the first game. Yeah. Right. Like you, it just, you look at how this all played out. Like normally that team gets absolutely excoriated for months. They sort of have escaped that. And now you're going to come into this season after that happened with a new coach, first time head coach, all this pressure on the team and the looming specter of what's going to happen next summer hanging over the whole thing. Like, yeah, you know, a lot it, of pressure on a first year head coach. That's for it's, sure. It's it's just it's just really this really could have gone a lot of different ways. And frankly, if you're the Bucks or you're a Bucks fan, this is the least optimal way this has gone. Really, other than Giannis just announcing he was never going to stay, which I don't think he was ever going to do that anyway. But the least op the least optimal realistic path forward and. You know, it to me, this puts a ton of pressure. I mean, as, as much as it's pressure on Adrian Griffin on the Bucks, it's a ton of pressure on Giannis. Like, if you're going to come out and say this stuff, and yeah. you're going to do this now, you better back it up on the court. Because if they if they go out if they go out in the early part of the playoffs again after that, I mean, obviously it's going to have ramifications. It's not like teams aren't going to want to trade for him. There's still be a long line. Yeah, no, it's got it's got. It doesn't mean he's like less valuable as a player, but you know, this is to me is a a put up or shut up thing in some respects, like you're going to come out and say this kind of stuff. Well, you better come out and play, you know, like he did in the playoffs two years ago against the Celtics. If he does that in the playoffs and they lose, nobody's going to be able to say much, but you know, it's just, it's going to be fascinating here in Milwaukee. No question about that. You know what Giannis would say to McMahon if uh, he was questioning him about this right now? What's that? Just deal with it. Oh, Wendy. Good job, Wendy. He, he know, you know how Giannis loves dad jokes. You know he, how he, he loves dad jokes. Dad joke pro. That's one. Yeah, there it is. Got to respect about him. Hey, <laughs> I don't. It ain't it ain't my problem to deal with. All right. It's it's, All hey, right. it's, it's the Bucks. Thank, thank you for listening. All right. Thank you for listening to the oh. Collective Podcast. <laughs> we got we got more stuff to talk about in the coming days. Uh, Team USA. Uh, by the way, you can watch Team USA play against Randy Hollis Jefferson at four in the morning on Wednesday. Check that out uh, on ESPN two. Um, thank you for listening to the Collective Podcast. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Jackson. It's now Monday morning in uh, Manila. Uh, we will talk to you in a couple of days. Adios, amigos. 